right, hello everyone. We are back after UFC 27 for the first show of 2017. This is actually the first time that we've ever done a show outside of 2016. It's a random extra rounds podcast fact <laughs> for those of you who uh, are regular watchers of the show. Um, hope everyone had a happy new year, happy holiday, uh, enjoyed UFC 207. Um, on the agenda today, we have Jason Perillo, boxing coach, uh, coaches Michael Bisping, Chris Cyborg, amongst others. Uh, joining the show to kind of talk about all things MMA, a variety of topics. We'll get them to weigh in on. Uh, we also are going to start the show by breaking down uh, some awards, talking about UFC 207 a little bit, breaking down some of our, our awards, our fighter of 2016, our uh, fight of 2016, and we'll go from there. But first, let's talk about UFC 207 because that's kind of the biggest uh, yeah, sticking point for everybody right now is what happened with Ronda Rousey. So first of all, um, were you surprised? You know, I picked Nunes to win. I didn't pick for the fight to go so one-sided so fast for her. But I will say this. So I can't act like I'm a genius uh, that I predicted the future. I, I can say this. Uh, Amanda Nunes' team was not surprised. I, I've been talking about this in, in private conversations. I've written about it a tad bit, Mike. But, you know, everyone always thinks they're going to win. Everyone thinks their fighter's going to win, and they'll say it, you know. But in, in real one-on-one conversations, and I'm sure you've, you've found this to be true, too, Mike, they, they admit going into fight, like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, they know, they know this is a tough sport, and it's competitive. Uh, anything can happen. I had never, in it's going on 12 years now of covering the fights, I had never spoken with more confident, close to arrogant um, team and teammates and coaches of a fighter um, than Amanda Nunes' team. I spoke with several of her coaches, several of her teammates leading in the months leading up to this fight, the weeks leading up to this fight. We spoke with Alex Chambers as well, who was diplomatic, but they were just outright positive that Amanda Nunes was not only going to beat Ronda Rousey, but that she would beat her bad, hurt her bad, do it easily, do it fast. It's amazing, and now we see why they were so confident. I mean, I, I can go into multiple, like, quotes and this and that but they just they were just so cocksure amanda herself she had talked about when she took the fight said i'll take the fight i asked for it and i'll, I'll give her a rematch immediately afterwards they were so positive that it was going to go exactly the way it went down got to give them credit yeah and what's interesting is uh that the media obligations in an effort to protect rousey they circumvented it which they wouldn't do for conor mcgregor heading into ufc 200 if you remember but somehow that goes to show you where Conor McGregor is and as far as star power goes in the UFC. Um, he's still second to R- Rousey in their eyes. Well, going into 207, maybe yeah. not anymore. But uh, Nunes talked about after the fight about how the lack of media obligations and all the stuff during fight week was almost a benefit to her. It didn't sure distract it her in the slightest. Um, if anything, it helped her. She was able to, she talked about in the post-fight press conference about how she was able to enjoy the week. Yeah. She didn't have media obligations. She didn't have open workouts or have to rush around and do all these things. She could kind of just have a normal week and fly under the radar. And while that might have been done to help Rousey, it ultimately helped her opponent. Yeah. So it's a very good point. It's a I can't even imagine Mike having to do all the things these fighters do while cutting weight, while anticipating doing the final preparations for a fight. It's I mean preparing for a fight is extremely stressful even if you're doing it for fun for a challenge, not even for your own profession. It's very stressful. I can't imagine having to talk about that fight four times a day in the week leading up to it. So, yeah, Amanda Nunes didn't seem to mind. She did a really good, uh, like, yeah, hotel room interview with Ariel Hawani, and that's about 
all I saw, and she didn't have to do more. I'm, I'm not surprised that she liked it. So that's uh, maybe <laughs> maybe we're going to start seeing a pattern now. Yeah, uh, you know, it's I think fans to take it for granted how much all that stuff kind of weighs on you and distracts you, and you know, you're trying to cut weight, but you have to you know you have to do media day and press conference and then you have to sit in this room and do these like live broadcast stuff that we see it's like every espn and fox sports and this show and that show um yeah. it's just it's kind of like weight cutting i think like fans take it for granted yeah. but they don't necessarily understand like how taxing it is like you know a person like a fan can be you know a casual fan or he can be like you're supposed to meet weight and ridicule a fighter for missing but doesn't really understand how difficult yeah it can actually be, or, or how taxing it is on the body like you know, everybody you know criticizing uh, Chris Cyborg for not taking the title fight at UFC 208 when she said she needed time to recover from the extreme weight cutting. You know, it's like that thing, like, well, you could have had the featherweight title fight when she's critical of the fact that she's not in it. Right. And it's like, well, no, it's just not that simple. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm going to stop eating donuts and lose a pound in a month. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, she's not on the couch like fat right now. That's not the issue. Right. So. Very good point. Um. But she, she won in dominant fashion, and then she criticized Ronda Rousey's coach. And he's taken a <laughs> lot of verbal abuse for a long time about yeah. not necessarily being the best coach for her. Yeah, I don't want to say the best coach in general, but for her, he hasn't really seemed to do much to improve her career. So, or at least that's the criticism. Yeah. So that he's ridden the coattails of her having this great judo skill set and this one arm bar that she's been able to use to great success. And he's a boxing coach, and it seemed that it was evident, and you know, in the Nunes fight, and maybe even the Holly Holm fight, that he hasn't improved her boxing. Yeah, I mean, what's your read on that? Yeah, I I think well, one, I think the people have been wary of the guy for a while. Like right before he even started training Ronda Rousey, he's, he got convicted for like identity theft and every interview he does is he sounds pretty delusional he said things like I'll, i would beat jose aldo and he talks about he tells these stories about how ronda rousey is could win a world championship but boxing which is absurd and then all these things she does to pro boxers and in, in, um, in sparring which sounds absurd um so he, sound, he seems like a creepy dude now in terms of his training we haven't seen much we see them holding mitts and he does a lot of like intricate like big long combination work with her Rhonda definitely punches fast and hits hard but she hasn't done things like um master great footwork have head movement um and now we're seeing more and more stuff come out we're seeing uh we're seeing people like Kenny Florian who on his podcast with John Anik earlier this week said what a lot of people have said in private which is Edmund Tarverdian is a nice guy and he's not qualified to coach high-level MMA. Dean Thomas, who's a coach of Amanda Nunes, who I haven't mentioned, this came into the door. I was running late, which is my, my fault. He loved Dean Thomas, Amanda Nunes, one of her coaches, would love to be on the show next week. So we got to have him weigh in on this very subject. He's outspoken and very technical, and I think he will give good perspective. But he said, uh, uh, as well as Matt Sarah, like, yeah, the guy's just not qualified. He doesn't know MMA. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he's qualified to, to, to coach high-level MMA. I don't think he gives her... Uh, sparring. Kenny Florian went so far as saying he had, it was his understanding that Ronda didn't do any sparring leading up to this fight. And Ronda was, yeah, I know. Ronda was very much the same fighter she was before, right? And that's a great fighter, but it's a bad matchup for someone that can uh, disengage from the clinch and then has really good striking. So 
Yeah, Edmund seems to have a weird relationship with her. Rhonda's own mother, who I don't know, have a relationship with, who seems like a very smart woman and a, and a world champion combat athlete, has said for, for a couple of years now that he's just a, he's a bad dude. Um, and he doesn't really produce anyone else um, that does well in MMA. He had Vic Darchinian worked with him for a while, and they had success at a high level in boxing. Um, but, yeah, it's a strange thing. I, the only thing that we ever seen them, I wrote an article for MixedMartialArts.com, four reasons why Ronda Rousey lost. People could check that out. And there's four four things uh, that she did and didn't do that I think contributed. But the little we have seen, he has her do strange things like frame out after she ends a punch combination. Now, I don't know what the purpose of that is, but it doesn't work well for her. Uh, Amanda Nunes went over the top of those extended arms a lot. So I don't think Amanda, I don't think Ronda Rousey is, is improving. I don't know whose fault that is, but I do know she's not at a camp or with a coach um, that is known for producing high-quality MMA fighters. It's just, you know, you, you almost try to think about what she, where she would be if she had gone to Winkle John at some point earlier sure. in his career. Or, sure. I mean, even American Top Team or, you know, I mean, Alpha Male maybe not would have been the best fit for her because there's a lot of wrestlers there. Sure. That's not really what she I'll tell you, she'd, she would have been great if she had worked on a wrestling. She has I mean, one take on entry. Sport? What's that? Rufus Sport. Rufus Sport, TriStar. I mean, the, and and ru- working with wrestlers would be great. One of the things, that, one of the reasons I say she lost is because she didn't learn to to change her her levels with her takedown entry. She always comes high for the high clinch, and now people are disengaging from that. Like, you know, r- think about this: Ronda Rousey had no success with takedowns against Holly Holm. She dominated takedowns in two fights with Misha Tate, who's a wrestler by you know originally a wrestler. Misha Tate. Had a great deal of success with takedowns against Holly Holm. Is she a more dominant takedown artist than Ronda Rousey? No, but she is a more diverse one. You know, uh, Misha will go high for a clinch. She'll, you know, she'll she'll work inside and pummel in. She'll shoot low for even like an ankle pick. Sometimes she's a more diverse uh, takedown artist. And and at the end of the day, you you need that. You know, but yeah, there's plenty of options. She got she got hooked up with with uh, Edmund, you know, a, a while ago, and I guess she had faith in it and. And to her credit, she's very loyal. She's been very sure. defensive of him over the years, yeah. and she's stuck with him despite. I mean, this isn't a new thing. People right. have said this for a long time, and she's stuck by him and defended him uh, time and time again. But, I mean, Travis Brown doesn't necessarily have the most stellar record since going there Yeah. Um, either. Uh, you know, so it's just something. It's, it's an interesting situation, which leads kind of to the next thing. What do you think she does from here? You think we'll see her fight again? You think she retires? I really don't know because I, I don't know her well at all. I, I wouldn't. She's she issued that statement, Mike, saying like she's going to consider what she's going to do. That sounds about right. I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't yet know what she was going to do. Right? You know, maybe she decides that um, if she's so far away from being able to realistically compete for a world title again, and she can't, she doesn't want to deal with that. She's always about being the best. And so she'll retire, uh, and she's taking a lot of damage. These last two losses were, she took a lot of damage because Ronda's a hoss. Like it takes a lot to drop her. Look, in this this last fight was more brutal than maybe than Holly Holmes, and she still didn't like go down. She takes a lot of damage before going down, which means she takes a lot of damage to her brain. So maybe she'll decide she's had enough of it, uh, or maybe she doesn't want to go out on that and she wants to to fight someone more appropriate than Amanda Nunes because that was a that was awful matchmaking by the UFC. Not forward thinking, not long term thinking. And, and pretty pretty callous thing to do. So I don't know. I, I really don't know what she'll do. That being said, if you're Ronda Rousey and the WWE's calling, and they're like, hey, come on, yeah, we'll get you on the Brock Lesnar kind of schedule. You compete at some pay-per-views. You show up to a few televised shows. You know, you're not one of the people who has to show up week and week and week yeah. and travel. You know, you get that extra thing. I think, I mean, it's hard not to take that. 
she's one a fan, but right. two they built they you know they'll build her into the back they'll build back that dominant persona that she had before, yeah. you know, which is so integral to her, and it, you know she can get that back. Like they could book her in such a way that she you know comes in and just immediately starts crushing everyone, and you know it'll be that aura that everybody thinks that she lost that would prevent the WWE from signing mm-hmm. her would be back instantly. You know, let's let's forget. When Brock Lesnar left the UFC to go back to the WWE, he didn't exactly do so on a winning streak right, himself. Right. Right. So it's obviously not an issue from that side of things. No, you're very. That's a that's a really good point. And if I'm, I'm you know, every time we talk about this types of option, type of option, I always try to caution, you know, and say, listen, it's not an easy life, pro wrestling. But if you get a good schedule, superstar schedule like that, like you said, a Lesnar schedule, you know. Yeah, fine, maybe, but that might be the only real big money option for her at this point. I, I I've been, I, I've talked with uh, a couple friends of mine who are out west and represented by the types of places that represent Ronda in, in Hollywood. And it was their opinion that they can't do anything with her if she's not dominant, and so now those movie options might be drying up. Yeah. Um, they already were stalling before because she's not like an actress, you know. The you know, WWE can kind of build that back as yeah, well, though. They and sure could. they have their own movie studio. They sure could, yeah. So, you know, the Marine 8 could use a co-star. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or 8 through 12. Here. Yeah, so. no, I, no, but I think you're very right. I think if she has, a, if she gets a good cash, you know, a good guaranteed cash offer from them and a good schedule that doesn't brutalize your body more, then, then at this point that might be the best option for her. Well... We were going to do some countdowns. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to talk about Cody Garbrandt, but maybe we'll save that for <laughs> later in the show. Um, and uh, as I'm, we're doing this, Alan Japan, who was on the show last week, yeah. just called out Johnny Hendricks. So there's oh. that. Um, but anyways, we wanted to do some countdowns from 2016. Uh, two categories. You know, you could do a million categories, knockout, submission, and a million other sure. things. But we just kind of narrowed it down to two categories, fighter of the year and fight of the year. Which one do you want to do first? Uh, I could go for fight of the year. What do you think? Okay, fight of the year. Um, so basically, uh, we each came up with our own list for fight of the year. We um, ranked uh, everything from what was the first event? UFC two hundred five? No, 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 no. One ninety five. Was it? Yeah, I think it might be two right. uh, one or to two hundred seven. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to queue up the graphics here. Sorry. And I, uh, I hope the graphics don't correlate to my incorrect labeling of Duho Choi. Spoiler alert. No. <laughs> I, I definitely you didn't have confused to, uh, him with the Korean zombie, which is... You didn't have to out really yourself. Bad. Good, good. But we appreciate that you did. Yeah, no, um, I'm definitely... I don't think I'm racist towards Korean folks, so I hope, I hope me confusing him with the Korean zombie who's just, I believe, ended his military service, is, is, is able to come back and fight, which is exciting. I didn't mean, uh, didn't mean to do that. So, I just got to get the graphic um let's start at number one and or i'm sorry at number three at the bottom of the list and then go towards the uh let's work towards the top my list um yes cool if you want to go ahead and do your list cool so i did three um because i'm lazy mike did five so here's number three at my uh, my list of 2016 fight of the year is Choi versus swanson it happened recently uh, it was a phenomenal fight. It was blood and guts, a lot of offense. We saw a lot of technique in there. It was it was pretty brutal. It was one of those fights, Mike, where I loved it and hated it, right? I appreciated it for what it was, incredible display of skill and intestinal fortitude and conditioning. 
and I hated that anyone had to take that much damage as those two men did. But it was it was it was a phenomenal fight. It's a legendary type of fight as far as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Number two, um, Joanna Jacek versus Claudia Gadella. Two. They first met basically in a number one contenders fight a couple a couple years ago. They met again um, this past summer in a headlining contest and a big weekend for the UFC. And it was a great fight. There was ebbs and flows. There was a comeback. You know, it, it was really it, it really kind of typified Joanna Jane Jacek, who pops up again later uh, of a best up 2016 in my list, at least. Um, she has been both challenged and had to come from behind, and she's also remained standing as dominant. And that fight, Claudia Gadella came out and was not only just like outscoring Joanna in the beginning of the fight, but I was like, oh, geez, Joanna doesn't have any answers for this. This is going to, this might get a little bit ugly. Claudia was really uh, tuning her up a bit. And Joanna, what did she do? She kept the same pace for five rounds, outlasted her, and, and won and earned the decision. I thought it was a remarkable fight where and both maybe, women did great. And maybe took the most damage we've seen her take. Yeah, it very well could have been. It very, it very, very well could have. Um, I think it was a cool fight because, you know, for Joanna fans, she's still the champ. For Cla- Claudia fans, she's certainly as good as, as Joanna, right? And she's certainly still the number one contender. It was, it was a phenomenal one. All right, number one on your list. Number one. So I was at Joanna versus Claudia covering that. I was not at this one, but good gosh. I might have fainted if I had been there in person. I had to see this. But Carlos Condit uh, versus Robbie Lawler. Um, I, that was just about as brutal as it, as, it, as it gets. And that's saying a lot if we're talking about uh, Robbie Lawler fights because most of his fights, win or lose, um, the last couple of years have been real, real slobber knockers. Just an incredible war of attrition for both guys. Um, Robbie, this late in his career, is still able to take that much damage and, and shell out even more. Super hard to score. Again, neither guy, I think, should be should have been considered like diminished in standing after the fight. Um, yeah, that, that, that one was also an all-time great. With the stakes that high, going five rounds. You know, Cub Swanson and Choi, it was a great fight, went three rounds. This one had a similar, if not higher, pace. And rate of violence for five rounds is pretty crazy. It's a solid list. Thanks, man. Very solid list. It's a short list, but it was a good one. <laughs> well, let's get into mine. Yeah. Uh, for number five, I have Holm Tate, UFC 196. You know, Holm was picking Tate apart, and then Tate just dug deep to come out with a submission win in the fifth round. I mean, she doesn't win that fight without Holm going to sleep. And yeah. Holm, like, wasn't going to tap. <sighs> you know, that's not maybe the safest thing to do, but you can respect the uh, heart there um, but just absolutely uh, tremendous um, you know the, the Tate side of it more so just sure. you know, being able to dig deep and come back from to win in this huge monumental moment she always wanted to win the UFC belt she never had it a uh, chance as long as you know she fought Rousey lost the second time you know she seemed like she was always going to be the gatekeeper and never get that third shot so huge moment for her uh, for number four I have Bisping Henderson too yes. um you know, I think it was a close fight. A lot of people had scored different ways. Uh, it was entertaining. There was that moment where it looked like Bisping was going to get an exact same knockout from UFC 100. You know, he kind of went for that diving like punch, and Bisping was able to roll out of the way and keep the fight alive. And it really kept uh, part of my excitement thinking back to this fight was just I think that event itself was a, uh, going into it. A lot of people thought this was going to be horrible, and it was mm-hmm. actually a really entertaining event. It was. So um, maybe some of the event as a whole's positive feelings uh, are attributed to this fight looking back 
Uh, number three, I have Swanson Choi as well. Was that uh, where you had it too, three, or did you have I d- Let me see. Yeah. Okay, so we yeah. have the same spot there. I mean, it's a recent memory in my fight, yeah. uh, in my mind, because it was just, you know, a month or so ago. But, I mean, incredible pace, and um, it makes you think back to, like, Diego Sanchez, Gilbert Melendez a little bit. It was just, I mean, just incredible to watch. Yeah. So entertaining. Capped off what also was a really exciting event in UFC 206. Um, number two for me, Condit Lawler. Hmm. Uh, for all the reasons you said, war of attrition, um, two legends in the sport. Um, that scene where both of them at the end of the fight have their hands up on the top of the fence, uh, just exhausted. They both, you know, that picture cap, you know, almost captures how even the fight was and how both fighters left it out on the line. Uh, any fight with Robbie Lawler is going to, you know, create a lot of punishment and, you know, both fighters, you know, dished it out and took it. I mean, just a great fight. And it's so crazy. It's so, it seems like a lifetime ago. It doesn't even, it's hard to register that that was 2016 and really just a little like a year and a week ago. That's true. Um, so that's number two for me. Uh, number one, I thought about doing Condit Lawler number two or number one, but I did this one ultimately by the fact that it actually ended in a majority draw. Tyron Woodley, Stephen Thompson, UFC 205. Um, I think a lot of people wrote Tyron Woodley off. A lot mm. of people thought Stephen Thompson was going to come in and dispose of him in you know stunning fashion, some knockout, some striking, and it was just going to be uh, stunning and quick, you know, decisive, and give it to Woodley. He was able to close the range and get in Thompson. Uh, am I saying that right? Woodley was able to get into yeah. Thompson, close the range, get in Thompson's face, and. Uh, you know, disrupt him and, you know, nearly knocked him out, maybe did finish him. And, you know, after taking all that damage from a guy who, like, could fight at, well, middleweight, mm-hmm. you know, is much, much bigger, mm-hmm. absorbs all that damage, then comes back to have a big round of his own. Yeah. You know, it's just such a back-and-forth fight. That 10-8 round ultimately is kind of what made it a draw. Yeah. So, like, Woodley, the champ, retains because of a dominant round when, I guess – the way it works, right, is the other judges had Woodley three rounds to two, but that one ten eight round. Right, I've forgotten. I don't remember how the math yeah. works, but the, the ten eight round was a, definitely a factor in yeah. how it ended up being a draw. Um, so you know, huge stage, maybe stole the show. It, you know, yeah, that was that was that was that was a pretty awesome fight, and you rarely get rewarded with like a hard, like a, a hard to score close fight. Rarely gets rewarded with an actual draw, right? And I know that's unsatisfying for draws to exist. But this this is this is this is probably what it should have been. I think Thompson won more rounds, but he took more damage. It's how the hell do you decide who wins? And, and ultimately, they didn't. And both neither man's a loser. Um, I hope I hope both men got paid like winners. But yeah, that was an incredible fight. Yeah, uh, you know, and I feel like this fight there this year there was just so many fights that it was almost impossible to try mm-hmm. and pick one that's going to be, um, you know, the best. It, you really could. There's so many fights that could have been yeah. the best one. I feel like. You know, there's fights like you could make it. Neither one of us had Diaz McGregor, too. Right, right. And, and you that, know, was, one of the that was a really <laughs> close fight, too. You know, the knock against it from some people might be that it was um, McGregor's kind of approach of running mm. in the second round, mm. uh, trying to avoid, um, you know, getting into a striking exchange with Diaz, which is what kind of set up the yeah, attack. Yeah. No, um, it was an awesome fight. And yeah, hard to but score I mean, still, well. it, was, it was tactful, and he had yeah. a game plan, and he stuck to it. Um, I just had another fight that was on my mind that um, 
now it's slipped away. Oh, uh, Bisping and Anderson Silva. Sure. In London. Yeah. That wasn't on there either. Yeah, top uh, of the year. Cruz Garbrandt. Right. Could have been on there. Absolutely. Um, even, even Cruz Dillashaw was a really interesting Cruz Dillashaw. Fight, you know, good. Like, that's a good one, too. Yeah. And that's almost hard to remember that yeah. that was happening this yeah. year. No, that's true. There were uh, there were a ton of them. It was it was awesome. It was hard to it's hard to to choose fighter of the year as well. I don't know if you want to do that now or if you want to give Jason a call. Um, he might be he might be ready now. Uh, if Jason's ready, we can get him on. We can Otherwise, try it. we can always fill time with fighter of the year. Now, to uh, while you're checking in with uh, Jason, I will say that. Let's see where I plug it in. My thank you, sir. My fighter of the year list. Um, it's going to correspond with a post going up on Sports Illustrated today. So uh, we'll, and I'll announce who my fighter of the year is. And later, maybe hopefully around the same time, the post will be going live. And you awesome. Can, um, check that out. Read kind of more in depth about my thoughts and uh, why I, you know, awarded it the way that I did. Treat um, for the and ears and the eyes. And by the way, feel eyes. free to comment in, uh, you know, the comments below and let us know who your fighter is of the year and who your fight of the year was. We want to hear um, what you guys had to think uh, as the fans um, about the sport. We just got a, uh, an email too from one of our listeners. If we have time later, we'll have to, we'll have to get to that, throw that in. I'm going to, do you want me to try to reach Jason now? Sure. All right. We're going to give coach Jason Perillo a call. See if this works and if he's around. Uh, looking at the comments. Up. Is it up already, Joe? Oh. Yeah, so. Jason, can you hear us? Yep, there you are. Hey, Coach. Sorry about that. Hey, it's Elias. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Mike Dice. Hey, how are you? Mike Dice. How are you doing, Mikey? Doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I just leave the gym. Had a bunch of people just beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I like to start my Wednesday. <laughs> Coach, you're you're a busy man. You've got um, a bunch of your fighters very very involved in a lot of different stuff i wanted to get your take before we get jumped into to some of their fights and their situations I wanted to get your take on ronda rousey her coaching and her and her striking um back in over a year ago you and i did some work and you, you know you talked about with with chris cyborg you guys broke down how ronda tries to get into the clinch because of course she's a she's a grappler even though she had a couple striking knockouts now people are coming out of the woodwork. Um, Kenny Florian had some some good comments. Dean Thomas, who's a coach of Amanda Nunes, has said stuff. Matt Sarah, basically saying, "Hey, Edmund's a nice guy, but he's not a high level MMA coach." I I just wrote a little piece, uh, coach, talking about four things that Ronda did and didn't do that really hurt her in the fight. But basically, she seemed like the same fighter she was uh, a, a year prior. She wasn't moving her head. Um, she she doesn't seem. I, I, people are saying, you know, she didn't look like she sparred much. What's your impression of her skills and her development, um, specifically in, in striking? I know she's someone you you all have paid close attention to because she's had such a, a rivalry with with Chris Cyborg, who you've coached for years. Right. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, there definitely wasn't a whole lot of sparring. I mean, I guess they said there was some sparring going on. Um, 
you know, <clears throat> I've got a lot of different takes on it. And if you know me, I'm not big to bad mouth other coaches and other people, really, for the most part. Sure. Because you know, the fighter makes a decision, and, you know, when you're being called <clears throat> one of the greatest fighters of all time, that type of thing, you know, you, you probably either you yourself think that your opinion about what you're doing is going to be run on point because you're, you know, this great phenom or whatever. But, um, you know, I always, being a coach, being blamed for fights before in the past when I've known that it, it, it definitely wasn't my my doings. Um, in this case, it's a little different because Edmund is, is, is a very hands-on guy and he makes a note to let everybody know, you know, he's a, he's a head honcho there in that situation. So, but, you know, I can't point my finger at, at Edmund. I can't point my finger. I mean, it's, to me, it looks to me like um, – you always say you, you got to point your finger at Ronda a little bit too. You know, uh, you know she made choices. I, you know, for some reason she was avoiding the media and all this. Obviously, she was a little heady, um, and it showed in the fight. You know, she looked like she actually regressed as opposed to gotten better. Um, I don't think I don't look at uh, uh, Amanda Nunes. I mean, did I say that right? Amanda Nunes. I don't look at her like the world beater that she is. I mean. She doesn't overly impress me. I, I think Holly Holmes is actually even sharper than than Amanda. Um, you know, with that being said, to me, she looks like she she regressed. If anything, you know, and that probably is even more of a mental and emotional thing. You know, obviously, mentally and emotionally, she wasn't there because you know when you're there and, and the competence is there where you want it to. You know, you you'll, you'll, you got to take on those extracurricular things that you got to do with the media and whatever. You know, you, you can't be scared of people, man. You're scared of people. You're scared of yourself. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're scared of the situation you're getting yourself into. And, and if that's the case, you know, you got to go back to the drawing board. To me, she should have started off with a lesser opponent. She was knocked out uh, pretty pretty clean by Holly Holmes. Um, everybody knows that that she was having, a, you know, problems mentally with it. You know, she went on talk shows talking about how she mentally had problems with it. You know, with that being said, you know, whoever manages her or her coach, whoever's involved of helping her make her matches, you know, probably should have thought about, you know what, we got, we, we got plenty of longevity in this girl. She wants to continue to fight. You know, maybe we should, uh, you know, maybe we should uh, get our bearings back. You know, maybe we should get in boxing. We should call it tune-up fights, but, you know, maybe we should get her a little bit of a tune-up fight before we put her right in there in the, in the firing line for uh, the world title. You know, so, you know, she she had a lot of questions that she wanted to get answered for herself, and uh, in 48 seconds, she really didn't get any answers. She just found out that, uh, that, you know, she wasn't ready for the situation anymore. Or, you know, will she be ready in the future? Who knows? But, you know, this situation she was definitely not ready for. Coach, it, it, it fights like the uh, Ronda's fight against Holly Holm and, and Amanda Nunes, did, did they show a little bit of why you guys were so confident um, that Chris Cyborg would, would do so well against Ronda all these years? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, I, but I know, like, it, 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 this is all we look at our whole life. This is all I look at my whole fucking life. That's all I do, I, I, I neglect my family looking at this shit, and it's, it's you know I, you know I, and I neglect life, looking at people and the way they fight, you know, and standing up on her feet. I mean, if we think about it, this is the only second girl that she's fought with that can stand up on her feet. The first girl that can stand up and fight a little bit, you know, she, you know, took her title. You know, the second girl that could stand up and fight a little bit exposed her. You know, um, it it bums me out. I feel bad for Ronda Rousey. I will. 
I was cheering for Ronda Rousey for that fight. I wanted Chris to get that limelight, of course. Of course, that's what I preferred to see happen, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I feel bad for her because she's been misdirected in, in, in a few situations. And uh, because of the, the high profile that she is, you know, she has to, you know, suffer this defeat in, in a bigger way that, that, than some people do, you know. Is this this cyborg Rousey fight's kind of like MMA's Mayweather Pacquiao? Is the this fight now just kind of the final nail in the coffin of cyborg Rousey never happening? I think so. You know, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I think so. I mean, it, it, the girls are both so young. I mean, Chris is thirty, thirty-one years old. I don't see her any going anywhere for the next, you know, half, four or five years. I mean. A lot can happen over four or five years if if, if Ronnie's a Ronda Ronnie, if Ronda is Ronda Ronda is a if she's a hungry fighter and still wants to prove to be the athlete the competitor that she is. You know, she's got plenty of time to come back and, 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 and improve that, you know. But it's hard to think that you know, they're saying that she was already at 135 a week before the mm-hmm. fight. So it's just hard to see them ever really not. They couldn't get it together. Way couldn't get together before this fight happened. I mean, this just set it back a whole, a whole lifetime. You know, uh, for me, I prefer to see. I like to see Chris train at a, be the title holder at 145. I like to see Ronda do well at 135. Um, they're definitely. I mean, they could train together now. You know, they Chris could help uh, Ronda improve. Hmm. You know, I wouldn't mind see Ronda come down and work with Chris a little bit. You know, see, see, you know, if that was something that she, you know, it, that that fight's over. If you ask me, that fight's over. That fight was just at the skin. That 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 fight was holding on by a string as it was, barely holding on. Because if you ask me, Ronda was never going to agree to that fight. In in all reality, even if she blew this Amanda Nunes away, I don't see her still going. I mean, maybe it would have gave her confidence to take on Chris, but really. Really, no. Because it's not as big as Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather. It's not. Because Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars apiece. You know, we're talking about, you know, you know, a girl that's just been knocked out twice. You know, and, and you know, Chris, who's undefeated, she's dominating her division. And uh, the, the hype for that, I think, is starting to tilt away. I think I think there'll be a bigger hype for Amanda News against Chris Cyborg. I see that being a bigger hype fight at this point. Yeah. You, you've been talking about um, Chris Cyborg a bit. i got to ask you. She's going Hold through. On, yeah. Can you hear me any better? Coach, you there? I, I, I'm, yeah, okay, there you go. Cool. You can hear us okay? I, I completely yeah, now I can. You completely cut out for a second. Sorry about that. Yeah, let me know. Um, so Chris Cyborg, how got heck of a one-two punch recently, Jason. The UFC went ahead with a so-called championship fight at featherweight without her. And then USADA, um, the UFC hired USADA, um, set, you know, has these uh, assertion that, that Chris uh, is in violation of the drug their, their, you know, their drug, uh, the drug usage um, rules. What, what has been, what's been the reaction, uh, you guys there on the team? It's been a turbulent time. Oh yeah, well, there's a lot of heartbreak about it because, you know, there's so many, you know, skeptics out there, and you know, it sucks, you know, because it, 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 it obviously she was, she wasn't, she wasn't 
did test positive for performance enhancing drug, you know, then by no means was that was that, you know, what she got busted for. So I got an attorney call me on the line. I'm going to have to answer that a little bit later. Hmm. I did a long conversation, <laughs> but um, hopefully not for anything you just no, said. But yeah. <laughs> you, you 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 know, uh, it's heartbreaking. You know, I wanted to, I she I, it, it, that was her title to make history and be the first. Uh, one woman, 145-pound uh, champion, and I'm bummed that fight didn't go through. Now this thing that's going on with this other, you know, it's, it sucks because you know she has to go out, she has to go, she has to, you know, go meet up with her dog. She has to prove, you know, innocence where there's really no guilt, mm. you know. So it, it it makes it a, it's just tough. It's heartbreaking because you know we've all been working on this. Me, her manager George, you know, and you know her whole team, you know, really been working on exactly this getting into the ufc making the creating the 145 pound division being the 145 pound champ being the greatest woman champion the greatest woman fighter of all times you know that has been an ongoing goal for years now it's not just something that now that she's gotten the ufc you know we got a little you know oh we're in the limelight now and, 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 and there's been a little bit of work leading up to that point I mean, we're talking years. I mean, Chris used to come, sleep in her car in the parking lot of the gym. We train, you know, we, you know, battle to get fights for years. She had, one, one, one fight, she had eight opponents pull out on her. People pull out on her all the time. You know, it was years of this stuff, you know, flying out to Kansas City, fighting in Kansas City, you know, telling people, hey, I trained this girl, Chris Cyborg. She's the baddest woman on the planet. She beat Ronda Rousey. She beat this girl. She beat that girl. Who's that? You know, we've been for years. We've been campaigning for Chris to get in this limelight. You know, and now we're here in the situation. And you know, you know, the train just the train didn't come off the track. The train just took a little bit of a derail. And you know, if you ask me, there's plenty of time. You know, people sometimes live too much in the now. Mm. There is a future. Um, Chris is going to be fine. She's she's going through all the steps to handle her situation she's in right now. And uh, to me, this is going to be you know. No water in the rug, and it's going to be swept aside because it, 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 there's nothing serious in the situation. The only thing that's serious in the situation is times got held back a little bit from what we've been working on all these years. Well, and the relationship seems to—I mean, honestly, like the the relationship seems kind of like serious, like between her and Dana White. Like, you know, I was going to ask you next. Like, do you find it strange that um, Dana White? Right after the USADA like alert came out, I don't know what to call that stuff. Uh, the, the the notification that she may have been violation of the rules. He he went on the record in an interview and said, "Oh, I don't know if Chris will ever fight in the UFC again." And then for other fighters, he's and the UFC are always careful to say, "Hey, there's a process. We'll see how the process plays out." That type of stuff, that eagerness for him to say something like that about her, combined with the negative. Uh, sometimes misogynistic things he said about her. I know Chris on the record has told, um, you know, me in interviews when I've been at the gym, like, yeah, it's a strange thing when, when you're, when your boss who your promoter, who's supposed to be promoting you to the world denigrates you, right. And insults you. Were you, were you shocked by Dana White coming out and saying something like that? Or are you guys not shocked by him kind of throwing under the well, bus? Well, you know, well, Dave, to me, Dana, Dana's always seemed to be an emotional, you know, space, Speaks, you know, straight from his heart, I guess, or shoots from the sleeve or his hip or whatever the fuck you want to say. You know, it, 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 it's not a, 
it's not a shock to me. No, by no means is a shock to me. I, you know, I've had other fighters before that, uh, you know, that he didn't have a good relationship with, and you know, had good relationships with some of them, and bad relationships with them. You know, unfortunately, we all got personalities, and and sometimes, you know, we're all going to rub each other the, the wrong way, especially when we're working with each other, making money off of each other. You know, so, you know, I, I don't know what that. I think that, that I think that conflict, if there's any conflict between the two, I think that's died down tremendously over the last year but i feel like it could it would be it could be killed but with you saying that i didn't hear everything dana and and, and I, I know you know me last and I, I i you know how i am i i, I try not to to read and listen to every piece of sure. everybody's opinion. Sure. so many fucking opinions obviously you want to hear dana white's opinion because he's a head head honcho you know so you want to hear what he has to say and uh I, I, I and, and, and Dana probably was a little frustrated with Chris because I, I think his his goal was to make that division. You know, and I think he knows that he has a star in that division. You know, and it is probably frustrating a little bit. But to be vindictive and say she's never going to fight again, you know, that's not that's not the right way to go about it. And, and, and that to me sounds like an emotional something emotional coming out of his mouth as opposed to to a fact. You know, and. And we've heard him change his mind, you know, many years ago, he said there would never be a women's division ever. And you got right, you know, now the women's division's making a hell of a lot of noise, you know, over the last three or four years. So, you know, I, I, you know, I think, uh, I think some people, bosses and, and employers and, and whoever, you know, I think sometimes they, they, you know, they press a, they, they press on you a little bit hard and let you know how, how upset they were by decisions that you've made also at the same time. And I'm not saying it's the right way to go about it. It's just, unfortunately, you got to learn to, you know, with the UFC, you got to play a little ball sometimes, you know, and, you know, I got fighters that, 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 that butt, that bump, bump heads with them. And, and I got fighters that, that play ball all day, you know, and, and which one's right and which one's wrong. They're all right. And they're all wrong. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you, you play ball too much and now you're cheating yourself, you know, and, and you bump heads too much and now you're cheating yourself, you know, so it's like you, you got, you, you got to over experience is a wonderful thing in the fight game because over the course of time you learn, you know, burning bridges in the fight game isn't a smart thing to do. All right. Because it's a subculture, it's a small world, no matter how big you think it is, it's little. All right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, through, through experience over the course of time, you know, you learn when to play ball and when not to play ball, you know, and, and, uh, and, um, you know, when you start bumping heads with the president, of the, I'm not saying that's what she's doing, but you know, that you see it with him, you, you see him emotionally react different to different fighters, you know, whether it's a Conor McGregor or a Rondo or a Chris Cyborg or, you know, somebody that, you know, he's, he, he's, you know, they've rubbed each other the wrong way a little bit, you know, he, he, he speaks the way he speaks. You know, we can't really, sit there and wrap our lives around that you know if Chris is going to sit there and wrap her life in her training and her future around what Dana White says we're fucked anyways now aren't we you know what I mean because that's not the way we got to think here you know I who gives a shit what anybody's fucking saying the truth of the matter is actions speak louder than words now doesn't it especially in the fight mm -hmm. game I, I hear fighters run their fucking mouths every day of my life I'm not being negative what I'm saying they're all my, my fighters run not a bad thing you need to run your mouth you need to that's what you do sometimes you run your mouth you're going to put it into action that's fine mm -hmm. you know but you know you know actually speak a lot of words we can we can sit there and bitch and complain about what dana's saying we can bitch and complain that we we are fighting that we're not fighting, that we're fighting. it doesn't matter 
at some point, we're going to get back in that firing line. And she's going to perform the way she's always performed. And it's going to be at a high fucking magnitude. It's going to be a brilliant performance. And she's going to slaughter somebody. You know? And that, and that action right there will put us back to where we need to be. You know? Because she just had that stellar performance. And now we're, you know, she's been, she's knocked out four of the five girls in the first round of the last fight in the second girl or the one other girl she knocked out in the second round. So last five fights, she hasn't been past five minutes, you know, five minutes and 30 seconds or whatever it is. Mm. You know, that's the way that she'll fight, you know, that, that and that speaks volumes, you know, and, and that, that would be spoken again. Right now, she's going to get a little backlash from the company, you know, what she needs to do is stay true to herself, stay doing what she's been doing for the last five years leading up to this point. You know, being honest, staying true to herself, plugging away, training her ass off, and continuing to be one of the best in the world. Coach, you know? that's an awesome answer. Before we let you go, what we've got, I got to ask you, last one, I'll throw three into one. Do the best you can here. Michael Bisming and Tyron Woodley seem to make their own super fight this past weekend. <laughs> so I'm curious what you think about that possible fight, uh, catchweight fight. We want to know how BJ Penn's looking to you as he's, he's, he's returning uh, to the ring, and what, uh, what do you think Tito is going to be able to do to Chael Sonnen in their fight? Um, well, that is the easiest. Uh, let's see. Let's, go, let's see if I can run a line. Bisping, yeah, the Woodley fight. Yeah, that, that's, that's all fun. I, think. I mean, yeah, hey, great fight. Mike's fine with smaller guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and Mike speak, Mike, Mike speak and man, I, I know Woodley's fast as hell. Mike Speed can match up with a with a 170 pounder. There's no doubt in my mind. I've always talked about Mike Speed. Um, that fight, that, that fight to me is pointless. I haven't even discussed it with Mike to be totally honest because I don't know how serious it is. But it's really a pointless fight. It, 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 it's, it to me it's a, a pointless fight. I mean, all together it's a pointless fight. But <laughs> we could go on to go on to BJ then. What, what, how's BJ looking? I know you you spent a bunch of time with him. I as a BJ Penn fan, I'm kind of worried at his age fighting someone like Yair Rodriguez. Why should BJ fans uh, be be okay with this fight? What have you seen that looks promising well, to you? Well, you know, he, well, you got to know this. Whoever, whoever, uh, whoever BJ, you know, they're not going to put BJ in there with any slouch. We all know that. Um, uh, BJ, BJ left right before the holidays. Uh, his goal was to go out to Christmas and go back, go out to Albuquerque and then come back out here and then go. He's he, he's he talking about doing a lot of flying, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> Yari's a, Yari's a very beatable fight. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete, tremendous fast. He's got all the fucking flash. He's got all the glitz and all the glamour. But at the end of the day, you know, he, he's he's not. A, he hasn't been the big puncher, the big kicker. I think he's got maybe one or two TKOs. I think experience-wise, you know, he's going to be in there with a guy that I don't think he knows what he's preparing for. You know, he's preparing for maybe the guy that he saw fall fight Frank or Edgar last, but. Uh, I think uh, BJ's a different guy than he was, even though three years you could regress even more than you did three years ago. But sure. I, I, I think he's, I think he's made up some uh, some gains and and remembered who the fuck he is. And I think he's going to go out there and give this kid a shock. Love it. And Tito, what what are you expecting from Tito uh, against Chael Sonnen? Tito's going to if Tito fights the way Tito fights the way that he's been, he's been he's, Tito's in tremendous shape. He's been training for three months now, and. Uh, He's in, he's in maybe the best shape I've ever seen him, even at 41 years old. I see him really eating up Chael Sonnen. I really do see him eating Chael Sonnen up. That's the goal. You know, the fights go the way they do, but but I don't see how Chael. Chael's going to have a very long night in front of him. 
Awesome. You're going to see. The, I'll tell you this. You're going to see the Huntington Beach Bad Boy on January, January 21st. I know that much. <laughs> well, Coach Jason Perillo, thanks so much for being on the Extra Rounds podcast with me and Mike. Always appreciate your insight, man. Thank you. Yep, I always appreciate being on there, man. You know me. I love talking about my guys. <laughs> you're, the, you're the best. Thanks, Jason. Take care and best of luck with everyone. All right. Take it easy, guys. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. The great Jason Perillo taking time out to talk to us. Uh, he's got so many huge fighters. We didn't even <laughs> get to crazy. ask him about um, really a lot about Bisping, who's been named uh, I know. Fighter of the Year by multiple outlets. We could talk to him for two hours with all the people he coaches, yeah. man. Like it's it's and the, we got another repeat. He's a repeat guest, right? right? We're heading back. <laughs> or we, you know, we're having regulars now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But the cyborg stuff is just so interesting. There's so much more that like you, I could we could talk to him for 20 minutes just about that one topic. But you know, there's just so much going on in his world that uh, we want to get to. Um, totally. So we'll just have to keep having him on. So <laughs> I'm down with that. It's a good segue though because a lot of people have Michael Bisping. I think Rolling Stone and Mike Bond were the first to uh, announce their fighter of the year. They did it before Christmas even. Mike Bond for Rolling Stone? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, at least I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And yeah. he named Michael Bisping fighter of the year. Some other outlets have named Michael Bisping fighter of the year as well. Um, it's an amazing story. It might be story of the year. So... In this edition of Extra Rounds Power Rankings, let's talk about our fighters of the year. Yeah, man. So we each compiled a list. Uh, you have a list <laughs> for uh, of your three. Did you Power did you three. issue any awards for like one of the eighteen outlets you write for? <laughs> I I uh, I we did we did collectively over at Champions where I write and edit for. Uh, we've got a collective list coming out of several, like a bunch of categories. The whole staff. Yeah, like all staff-wide things, so I contributed to that. I don't know when it's coming out, actually. But, yeah, that I'm not doing a column for MixedMartialArts.com on that. Um, so, yeah, just this, that. the Champions one. I don't know when it comes out. I'll tell people to look okay. for it. But. Well, let's see if the Champions, uh, the rest of the Champions <laughs> staff agrees with their let's with see. The Let's see. Yeah, so uh, Fighter of the Year 2016. Are we starting with number three? Yep. All right, because i got a short list again. Uh Number three on my list, Cody Garbrandt. Uh, Gar- Garbrandt. I just made his name sound more pr- uh, pretentious. Cody Garbrandt, uh, the team Afro male, the new bantamweight world. Garbrandt, he uh, <laughs> new bantamweight world champion. You know, he just beat and and like really solidly, convincingly beat the best bantamweight in history in Dominic Cruz. But in addition to that, he's fought and won a total of four times. I think this is the only fight of his this year, Mike, that went to decision. He beat top contenders. Um, a top contender like Thomas Almeida, he beat a, a perennial uh, elite world title contender in uh, Takeo Mizugaki. Um, he, he's looked phenomenal. He's had a great year. Like he said in the post UFC 207 presser, he went from unranked to world champion inside one calendar year. Very impressive. Wouldn't be mad if someone had listed him number one. He's at number three for me. Number two, um, she's making her second appearance on uh, my list here, the power rankings this week on ER. That's Joanna Zinjacek. I think she only fought twice this year. But listen. The champ is still dominant at the top of an increasingly competitive division. She was tested. She met those challenges, um, and, and she's phenomenal. She, her star is rising, um, and, and she's one of the best martial artists, mixed martial artists in the world, pound for pound. Jason Perillo over a year ago told me that she's got the best hands that he's seen. I'm sure outside of his own fighters, right? Guys like guys like BJ, guys like Chris. He's got she's got the best hands in MMA, man or woman. She's and awesome. Alongside Demetrius Johnson, the only champion in the ufc who has more than one title defense look at that look at that that's just yeah in, in a time when there's so much turnover to hold on to your title for any length of time is very very impressive she's continuing to do it 
Uh, and she probably shouldn't even be fighting it this way. She should probably go up soon if they create 125. So she's number two. Number one, I'm going to go ahead and give it to another amazing female fighter. Another amazing fighter that happens to be female, I should say, Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes beat the two best, probably, two best, at least two most accomplished bantamweights in history in one year. Misha Tate. Back-to-back fights. In back-to-back fights. And... Really beat them badly and really fast. Maybe retired them both. Yeah, very very good point. Misha Tate at UFC 200. Misha Tate is a two-time world champion of bantamweight. Only woman to ever have done that. A strike force than UFC. Both of them uh, linear title reigns. And then Ronda Rousey came back and, and she, and as we've discussed a lot, beat Ronda Rousey. Uh, amazing fighter. She also has a close win over Valentina Shevchenko, who's a top contender. We'll see if she gets another. Chance at uh, at her. She's um, fighting Juliana Pena yeah. this month, and that very well could be the number one contender. <laughs> it about. should be. It really. That's an awesome fight. You guys got to watch that. Um, but yeah, Amanda Nunes for me tops the list. She's headlined two cards this year and won them both in impressive fashion, and maybe two of the biggest cards ever. Two hundred seven or two hundred, maybe the biggest cards ever. Definitely I don't know. two of the three biggest. This right. Year. It's got to be so. Other than other than Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz fights, um, in USC two hundred five. Yeah, well, any any fight that Conor McGregor's been in and, and Nate Diaz, you know, as well. Um, so including two hundred five, you know, she's headlined big big cars and she's looked like a world beater because she is. She's number one for me. All right, it's a solid list. Thank you, sir. We'll see how it matches up to mine. Number, <laughs> f- I went five deep. So number five, I have Michael Bisping, uh, beat Anderson Silva and Dan Henderson, both legends, uh, won the belt. On two weeks' notice against Luke Rockhold, um, great story. Um, I have him lower down the list personally, just because the Silva and Henderson fights were both a little controversial, and not so decis- uh, decisive. But yeah. you know, three and zero, won the title, defended the title, and knocked off two all-time greats in the process. Um, number four for me, Stipe Miocic, uh, three wins this year, all first-round knockouts. Um, <sighs> Knocked out Andre Arlovsky in under a minute, who was like a – that was a top contender bout right there. Yeah. Then got the fight against Fabrizio Verdum at UFC 198 in Brazil. Beat a Brazilian in Brazil to win the belt, simultaneously breaking Cleveland's sports title drought, which he doesn't get enough credit for. <laughs> and uh, um, then defends back in front of his hometown. Is fighting a you know, dynamic striker in Alistair Overeem. Is nearly submitted, escapes, then knocks him out. Amazing. All in the first round. That was a crazy round. To win. Um, in front of Cleveland and the place goes nuts. Uh, you know, I partied there all week. It was uh, spectacular. <laughs> so, um, but that was just another huge chapter in Cleveland sports this year. But, uh, you know, three first round knockouts, two of which are title fights, winning the title against a Brazilian in Brazil um, in a soccer stadium. too. <laughs> Very true. Um, While they're screaming, you're going to die. Huge, huge, huge year. Um, for me, number three is Amanda Nunes. Uh, you know, this year was really tough and I really struggled with my, the top four people on my list and how to rank them. And, uh, I have Amanda Nunes at three, though. She very easily could be two or one. She, uh, as you said, knocked off Tate, knocked off Rousey two Titans icons of women's MMA, not even just the division of women's MMA in general. Um, in back to back fights to win the title first openly gay champion, um, you know, it's thrust into the spotlight of UFC 200. Suddenly the main event uh, against the, the champion and the legend in Misha Tate, um, you know, all, so much attention. There's already pressure in that fight. And then all of a sudden this unexpected amount of attention and she just <laughs> weathers it all. Um, 
you know, the microscope for the UFC 207, you know, you could say it wasn't that high because of the way Rousey handled the media and stuff. But, you know, you have to feel a lot of pressure when you're fighting Ronda Rousey, regardless of whether people are asking you repeatedly about it. <laughs> True. Um, you know, just a huge, huge year, like huge star in the making. Um, and the first UFC fighter besides Ronda Rousey mm-hmm. to successfully defend the women's Bantamweight title. Oh, uh, look at that. Fun fact. Not really a fact, but well, I mean, it's it is a fact. fact. No, you didn't make it. Maybe up. fun is the word that <laughs> I had fun. So number two for me, Cody Garbrandt. He, uh, you know, four and in 2016, three first round knockouts uh, from unranked to world champion inside of a year. Don't forget, he beat a Thomas Almeida who's 21 and 0. Yeah, um, I didn't pick Cody to win that fight. No, I, Thomas is a killer. He, you know, he just an you know an incredible story. Another Ohio person like Stipe. Um, so just a just a tremendous story. And the then in the title fight at the end of the year, I mean, it's one thing to go from unranked to world champion, but then you're fighting a guy who's never lost in the weight class, <laughs> right? who's arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. And the people who think somebody else is the pound, best pound-for-pound fighter, he beat that guy. <laughs> so um, just huge odds. And he did it so decisively. Like Some of the scorecards, I think, had it like three rounds to two, but it's just like he controlled that match like yeah. never you know at a certain point after the first couple rounds you're like this is crew you're you're watching now to see crews come back and the dancing and this and that and oh, then man. it a lot of that might a lot of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because it could be viewed as cocky and arrogant but then he brings everything back at the end with uh, maddox and handing him the belt and right. it's like that humility that he's born with and then you know people don't see a lot of people don't watch the press uh, post-fight press conferences outside of the media and some really hardcore fans who are still up at three o'clock in the morning but you know, the, he's just so emotional. It's just an mm. incredible year, and he's really a genuinely good person. Seems as like well, it um, from conversations I've had with him. So, but there's not many fighters who have fought four times in a year. There's fewer who have won yeah. four in a year, and then there's fewer who did so going unranked to world champion. Yeah, um, I guess that won. quality. So yeah, that's that's pretty uh, amazing. Donald Cerrone, another guy who went. Four yeah, I mean, I that would be like I was I was thinking of Cerrone. He the only thing is he didn't end it. With like winning a world title, so this and might be the most what impressive. Like pushes win. them off yeah. this list, you know. Yeah. Like you think of like people like Nunes and Miocic and Bisping, like that title, that one thing. Yeah, he right. very well could be fighter of the year, but that one thing yeah. is like he might get there in seventeen because he's looking like a beast at, at at lightweight. I mean, at welterweight, it's kind of crazy. And I'm prepared for all the hate on social media to come for this next one. But <laughs> my number one, my fighter of the year, 2016, Conor McGregor. So. The argument against Conor McGregor is that he lost to Nate Diaz, okay? But I don't think that's necessarily a huge issue, which is kind of hypocritical considering <laughs> what I just said about Donald Cerrone. <laughs> but um, he lost the fight. Uh, yeah, he came back. He won. It was an incredible fight. Um, he created history at UFC 205 by becoming the first person to hold two UFC belts simultaneously and only the third person to win a belt at a second weight class. Mm. Um, so that's, and it, it was on the biggest stage, the first Madison square garden event, yeah. you know, such a historic moment. It was, uh, you know, so much history and it's gonna, when you, we think back to 2016, like that's really what we're going to think about. Yeah. Um, so that's a factor. The other factor is, and there's a guy from bloody elbow, Ian Kidd, who I don't know if I said his first name, right? I'm not, I don't know. But anyways, he wrote a great, Great story breaking down after UFC 205, breaking down the records. And Conor McGregor did more in pay-per-view buys this year 
than the entire UFC did in 2014 Look between three pay-per-view events. Unbelievable. Um, all three of which, we don't get exact numbers, but all are believed to have either been around or beat the UFC 100 record. Look at that. Um, Dana White said, of course, UFC 205 broke every record, and people believe UFC 202 broke um, the UFC 100 record. And then, you know, if you look at some of the stuff that Dave Meltzer does, I think he has UFC 100 and UFC 196 at the same 1.6 million buys. Yeah. But, like, those three fights combined did more than the UFC did as a company in 2014. Right. Now, in his article on Bloody Elbow, you can go down and break down that he, um, if you look at the UFC's best year, which is 2010, uh, that was the height of Brock Lesnar. That was the height of Georgia St. Pierre. Uh, he did more pay-per-view buys in 2016. Well, I, that might be wrong. It's in a 12-month period going back to 194 okay. in December of 2005 through 2000, so let's uh, say 205. 13 months. Yeah. Well, it's not even. It's, it's, well, it's literally 12 months. You're right. It is December, yeah, yeah. It's not the calendar year. So right. in that 12-month period, he did more buys than Lesnar and GSP did combined during 2010, wow. which was the UFC's best year for pay-per-view buys. Probably more than Anderson, if you're going to count Anderson, too. In yeah, that year. and he yeah. breaks. He goes down and he breaks in the article on, on Bloody Elbow. He breaks down how um, they're, you know, the big draws in the sport and what they average per pay-per-view mm-hmm. event. He does it for Lesnar, GSP, Anderson Silva, and he even does it for Ronda Rousey. And one of the points he makes is that Ronda Rousey, uh, her best pay-per-view reportedly did around 1.1 million pay-per-view buys. And Conor McGregor averages averages 1.3 million yeah. pay-per-view buys. It's pretty crazy. Like the, and how much – I don't remember the numbers of like how much Silva, GSP, and Brock Lesnar average. Nobody else averages over a million. And mm. McGregor, he's just such a huge draw. Well, now Nate Diaz does. Well, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, but – I mean, he's only – he actually – He's only headlined the two pay-per-views, exactly. so he would technically average more right. than McGregor did. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> UFC 189. Anyone has done more that's than a, two. That's actually really interesting. Anyone I didn't even think about that. Two. Yeah, but anyone has done more than two. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Nate should know that because that's some, you know, that's a needle. I bet that's a way to go McGregor into that third. Yeah. Tournament. Not that McGregor needs goading. He wants yeah, it. But, I bet he does, yeah. Um, you know, so those things you have to take into account. Like the impact he had on the sport, the yeah. amount of fans he comes in. You know, he is unequivocally the face of MMA. Like, if 2005 he established himself as the star mm-hmm. in the UFC, 2016 he transcended the sport. Mm-hmm. And in spite of that loss. Yeah. And part of it is that he Which handled it the lot. right way. Yeah. He went to the press conference. He sat on the dais right next to – on the well, on the other side of the podium mm-hmm. is Nate Diaz. As Nate Diaz talked about beating him and did so quietly, you know, ate his humble pie. He refocused and whatnot. There's some other things that happened over the year, the water bottle incident and whatnot. And, so you know, those good. things could – want to deter you from naming him that but like the thing what he accomplished on the sport he brought in all these new fans he transcended the sport i mean they're talking about it on all sorts of outlets that they would never talk about before you turn on undisputed and you got to listen to shannon sharp's you know horribly informed opinions on mma and you know i think to a lot of people it's gotten to the point where you know he when you think of mma you think of him like they're almost becoming synonymous yeah. um, much in the way that you know you used to be able to go into starbucks and say do you know um, Anderson Silva, you probably a lot of people would say well, no if they weren't MMA fans. But if you said Ronda Rousey, like you know who right. Ronda Rousey is. I mean, he's on Conan. He's doing Clueless Gamer. He's got a role in Game of Thrones. He turned down uh, a role in a Triple X movie, which I think Michael Bisping ended up oh. doing. Um, you know, he's got this other short series that was announced today with John Lovitz. Like, yeah, right. You know, he's transcended the sport. He was on Esquire, GQ, one of those two. I don't remember which one. Um, 
he's done stuff with both. Yeah, the Esquire article. He said it was the cover story. There's thing. one that he was the cover, and like I there's a lot of pictures, from, but, but I don't remember. Bad but I mean, article, but a great he's, cover. He's transcended the sport really has. in a way, and the and on top of that, every fighter in three weight classes at the <laughs> very minimum almost had to ask to answer a question about Conor McGregor <laughs> constantly. Right, right. Like everything in MMA revolved around Conor McGregor yeah. in 2016. He. Um, you other fighters were talking about him constantly. Think back to that, you know, uh, when Cerrone fought Desanos for the lightweight mm-hmm. title in December of 2015. Three fighters called him out that night. Right. Three fighters. Right. He says something about the WWE, and the entire WWE roster <laughs> responds. You know, he um, fighters want to fight him. You yeah. know, you win a belt, and that's who you call out. Cody Garbrandt wins the belt, he calls out yeah. uh, Conor McGregor. Um, Eddie Alvarez wins the belt, he wants to fight Conor McGregor. Tyron Woodley would fight Conor McGregor, didn't call him out really, but would. Um, though it's probably horribly ill-advised. And, you know, everybody, it's all about Connor. That's very true. And it's hard to say otherwise. For that reason, I weighted impact on the sport um, more so than maybe strictly in-ring accomplishments. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who had interesting in-ring accomplishments that were huge. Um, and there was, some, you know, then when you factor in the out-of-the-ring accomplishments, outside of somebody like maybe Steve Bay with Cleveland or Amanda Nunez, um, you know, they also had outside of the ring sure, really big sure, impacts, but sure. I mean, nothing. No, um, you make a good argument, man. Like anyone, listen. But any, I can, you can make a really good argument to for any one of those people. Yeah, no, it them. was it was amazing. I think uh, I, I tell you this: if anyone wants to give uh, Mike or anyone else who, who ranks Conor McGregor number one flack, you better go after the people who gave Michael Bisping number one way more flack because. And listen, the fight against Anderson Silva where he got knocked out cold uh, but won on decision was close. The, the fight he, he got the judges to nod from uh, over Dan Henderson was a horrible decision. So, listen, like everyone, you know, being perfect in the ring uh, shouldn't be the prerequisite. Uh, making history in the ring, impacting the sport, it's a good argument you make, man. There's someone in the comments that just says, no, Mike, with an exclamation mark. <laughs> good uh, argument. Touche. Oh, you convinced us. And we also have somebody um, <laughs> saying that they love your taco shirt. Oh, thank you. No complaints there. Uh, we also have another person who asked a long time ago at the beginning of the show, did Rousey really get $3 million on that fight? If so, how could they justify it to only, to only give 100000 to Amanda Nunes? Um, to that, I would tell you that those are just the disclosed, guaranteed money. Right. Um, but, yes, she did get that. Ronda Rousey got $3 million to show. There was no win bonus. That Not that she got, would have gotten that anyways. Right. Amanda Nunes was paid $100,000 to show, and that's what she would have walked away with had she lost. She got another $100,000 in the form of a win bonus for that, win bonus for that $200,000. She reportedly also had pay-per-view buys, and you know Ronda Rousey had pay-per-view buys. Yeah. So they both are probably getting some kind of residual on top of that. A percentage of, money of the pay-per-view from, money, yeah. Um, you know, and somebody asked actually Amanda Nunes about it after the post fight conference, and she all she really said was like, "I feel like I'm going to get a lot of money." And I, that's I hope so she, because they can't yeah, justify. It. Yeah, I mean, listen, like run is a draw, but that type of disparity is absurd when one person's a champion and the other isn't, and that's 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 the problem when the promoter has complete say really over uh, over what fight purses are, and there's no real um, sanctioning bodies that negotiate that and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it is absurd when the defending champion is making. Uh, a fraction of, yeah. of the challenger, right? Um, I I think Ronda should make that and should make more. It's not me saying Ronda should make less, but yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing when both of them didn't make 
millions of dollars. You've seen this before, Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, he got paid. Um, Great point. Significantly less for the UFC two hundred five fight. Champion. Um, Great and that's point. when Conor McGregor got three million. Now that also point of emphasis is the record. That's a, also a huge kind of moment. Even though we might think that it's not justified, how the discrepancy between Nunes and Rousey's mm-hmm. pay, Rousey getting three million is also a huge milestone because. That's what Conor got for UFC 205. That's the highest guaranteed money that a fighter's ever been given at the UFC. The old record was 2.5 million. Brock Lesnar tied that um, at UFC 200. Yeah. McGregor had gotten that before. Two lighterweight um, fighters, one's a woman. That's pretty cool now. And one's oh, a woman, wow. and that's you know a big deal. That the yeah. the record for pay in um, MMA is uh, tied between. It's the same for a man and a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that being said, the UFC deserves some props for that, but. If we were to dive into average pay, that <laughs> right, uh, right, right, discrepancy would become more apparent. But well, that's the upside um, of and that. And the Rousey but... Nunes is that. But the, uh, there's an upside to that sure, that sure. can't be um, ignored. So yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that, those are our list. We also have um, some people saying that they liked your list, Elias. So thank you. Look for the article on uh, Sports Illustrated later today from my list. Uh, Elias voted with the Champions crew over um, at Champions.co, so you can check there and follow them on Twitter at Champions Fight. Uh, yeah, it is. And Twitter, Champions Fight, and, and Facebook, it's Hardcore Champions or something like that. And, yeah, so to uh, see their their list, um, actually. Um, and we'll be back next week. Um, we really wanted to get on Angelo Reyes, who's uh, – Frank Mir's coach. Yeah. Uh, he's been working with Jessica Andrade. Um, you know, she's been rumored to be next in line to fight Joanna champion. So That's cool we really fight. wanted to get him on, but we're uh, out of time, unfortunately. So I'm going to talk with him off air and hopefully get him on next week. Um, we're working on a couple other guests for next week. Can I tease uh, one of Nunez's coaches? We got a, yes. we got a commitment from one of Amanda Nunez's coaches, Dean Thomas, to come on next week. So hopefully he'll be on. That'll be awesome. And a repeat guest. Yeah, again. That's right. No As is Angelo. They're coming back. We're not driving them away. That's awesome, Mike. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can put away that copy of the art of the interview. <laughs> uh, so as always, make sure to subscribe in iTunes or Google Play, whichever uh, mobile device you use. We're also in the TuneIn app. We're also in Stitcher. Um, so make sure to subscribe. But also please review, uh, leave five star rating, and write a little review if you could. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, you can catch us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can call this number, leave a voicemail with your name and a question, and we'll answer it on the air. Uh, the phone number is 815-570-3923. 815-570-3923. And until then, we'll see you next week. Also, I should also plug that the Bellator 170 press conference with Chael Sonnen and Tito Ortiz has also been uploaded to the podcast. It wasn't broadcast, oh, obviously. Oh, that's awesome. But if you subscribe, you can listen to the entire call with Chael Sonnen, uh, Tito Ortiz, Scott Coker, Bellator MMA president's on there, uh, Paul Daly, and Brennan Ward, who is an underrated fighter, an underappreciated fighter, but he's a guy who just likes to throw bombs. Um, and he's fun to talk to at times. So you can also get that if you subscribe. But again... Uh, Wednesdays, 2 p.m. Central Time on the Sports Illustrated MMA page. Make sure you like the page so you get notified. And we will see you next week.